grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God for our meditation is recorded in John chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. <clears throat> Dear fellow redeemed, weddings and wedding receptions require months of planning. The service itself requires that music and readings be chosen, flowers be ordered, and the church be decorated. The couple meets with the pastor for several weeks for pre-marriage counseling. There are reservations to be made and food and drinks to be ordered. Planning the reception is complicated. Invitations are sent out to guests to get an accurate count of those who will be at the wedding supper. To run out of food and drink would be an embarrassing situation for the bridal couple and their families. But that is what we find in our lesson today. At a marriage banquet at Cana, there was a shortage of wine. How embarrassing for the bridal couple and their parents. Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw the situation and she also saw and knew that her son would be able to do something about it. She lets him know that they have no more wine. What would Jesus do? Jesus uses this opportunity to perform his first public miracle, turning ordinary water into wine. Now, when it comes to Jesus' miracles, others may seem more important than this one. Running out of wine at a wedding party isn't the end of the world. No one is paralyzed here or blind or mute or at the point of death. Yet the setting of this miracle is significant. That is why this reading is often read at Christian weddings. Throughout scripture, marriage is one of the main pictures of the relationship between Christ and his church. The fact that Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding party clearly shows that he sanctions the married estate and delights in blessing God-fearing married people. Jesus blesses a marriage with his presence as a guest and as the host. Jesus blesses a marriage with his presence as a guest. By blessing this marriage with his presence as a guest, we see that Jesus hallows married life and shows how acceptable and pleasing it is in the eyes of God. Marriage is not a man-made thing, but was instituted by God himself. 
Marriage is the foundation of human society, planted by God at creation and sanctified from the beginning. When God created the world, he made man and woman in his own image and bonded them together in marriage. The words in which God instituted marriage are recorded in Genesis 2. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Through this blessed union of husband and wife, God established the family, provided for the physical and spiritual welfare of children, and fostered the peace and stability of society. Because of the fall of mankind into sin, the joy of marriage was soon overcast with sorrow, and the harmony of family life was shattered by strife. To this day, the devil seeks to undermine marriage because he knows that when he spoils marriage, he undermines all order in society. Many trials and temptations come upon all faithful married people. It takes a concerted effort to make marriage what God intended it to be, a lifelong union of one man and one woman for mutual assistance and for the orderly propagation of the human family. This requires sacrificial love. Of ourselves, we do not have this sacrificial love. We seek to satisfy our own needs and do not think of the needs of others. Even when we do things for others, including our spouse, it is often for self-serving purposes. Where then do we find such self-sacrificing love? In Ephesians 5, after urging believers to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Paul points to Christ's self-sacrificing love for his church. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Just as Christ is the foundation of our faith and life as Christians, Christ is also the foundation of Christian marriage. Jesus blesses marriage with his presence. Is Jesus an invited guest in your home? Do you invite him into your home by prayers offered in his name? Do you make time for family and individual devotions to listen to him as he speaks to you in his word? In our married lives, as well as every area of life, we cannot face the challenges of life alone. We need Christ's presence, come what may, in thick or thin, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Jesus has pledged us his faithfulness. He will never part from us. His love surrounds us. His compassion supports us. As God's son graced the wedding at Cana with his presence, so he is with us as we pray in his name. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Jesus blessed the marriage at Cana with his presence, not only as a guest, but also 
as a gracious and wonderful host. There comes a time for each of us when the wine runs out. Our problems are not necessarily earth-shaking events or matters of life and death. But once in a while, as we juggle all our responsibilities, life starts to unravel. And our neat little world starts coming unglued, like the wine running out in Cana. What do you do when the wine runs out in your life? Complain? Fret? Or do you turn to the one who can do something about it? When we come to him with our problems, we would like to hear him say, have it your way. But instead, Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Jesus tells us to repent and believe the gospel. Though it makes no sense to our natural mind, by the Holy Spirit's working, we believe his holy word in the word of his absolution, in the washing of his baptism, and in his holy supper, Jesus is the gracious host serving us with his pardon and peace. At the wedding at Cana, Jesus told the servants, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. There were six such stone water pots, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus then told them to draw some out and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. When the master of the feast tasted it, he told the bridegroom, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. By Jesus' mighty power, the water had been changed into real, genuine wine. Reversing the customary order, Jesus, the host, saved the best for last. This account concludes with the words, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. The word sign here is significant. The word miracle refers to human astonishment, but the signs performed by Jesus point to something beyond themselves, something that we must read, see, understand, and believe. In Jesus' signs, his disciples catch a glimpse of his glory, his divine power as true God. Jesus' signs show us that even though he walked around in those days in the form of a servant, he at the same time is the Lord of glory. Through this sign, Jesus' disciples were strengthened in their belief that he was the Son of God and the promised Redeemer of mankind. Jesus blesses marriage with his presence as a guest and as the host. In the miracle of the wedding of Cana, Jesus changed water into wine and the bridal home's emptiness into joy. Jesus blesses us also with his presence in our marriage and in everyday life. And when his hour has come, Jesus gives both temporal and spiritual blessings abundantly. He transforms the water of our wretchedness into the wine of holiness and glory. By his spirit working through word and sacrament, he renews our lives so that we become his holy people, his heavenly bride. Like the wine in Cana, 
he saves the best for last. For on the last day, he will raise us from our graves and give everyone who believes in him the life that has no end, where we will drink the new wine with him in his kingdom. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Uh, we will have a prayer uh, commemorating uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday that we uh, had as a national holiday yesterday. O oh Lord, you work righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Move the hearts of all people so that the barriers that unjustly divide us may crumble, suspicions may disappear, and hatred may cease. Heal our divisions so that we may live in peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. And almighty and eternal God, at the wedding feast of Cana of Galilee, your son showed his divine power in a miraculous sign. Guide your people always in faith to see the glory of Jesus, hidden in your means of grace, the gospel and the sacraments. Through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.